We want to welcome you to the Bible teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church, where our desire is to honor God by faithful obedience to His Word. If you want to understand the Bible better, please continue to listen as Pastor Matt Postiff explains and applies the biblical text one verse at a time. You can reach us with questions or for more teaching audio and print material at our website, fbcaa.org. You can also watch our services live at fbcaa.org slash live. We want to thank you for listening and pray that you will be edified. Join us now as Pastor Postiff opens God's Word. Okay, good evening. We're back in Matthew chapter 26 tonight, if you'd turn your Bible there. Matthew chapter 26. Um, we're in verses 17 through 25, and I've given my message somewhat of a, perhaps a uh, eye-catching title. You might, or maybe an eyebrow-raising title, I'll call it that. I called it the last Passover, and I know that's odd because you're used to the last supper, the last supper, but I want to give you a thought about that tonight. Let's look at 26 in Matthew, verse 17. The Bible says, Now on the first day of the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, the disciples came to Jesus, saying to him, Where do you want us to prepare for you to eat the Passover? And he said, Go into the city to a certain man and say to him, The teacher says, My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. When evening had come, he sat down with the twelve. Now as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful, and each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes just as it is written of him, but woe to that man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? He said to him, You've said it. As I read the passage here, I was struck by the lack of emphasis in it on the ritual of the Passover meal. Some Christians today put a lot of focus on that ritual, on the way the Passover was uh, then or is now celebrated by the Jewish people. But Matthew leaves out such details uh, from his narrative and instead chooses to focus on what was happening to and with Jesus and the changes that Jesus was making in the Passover, as it were. Um, I titled the message, The Last Passover, not because the Passover remembrance ceased after this historical event. It certainly hasn't ceased, has it? Uh, uh, nor because I want to offend anyone who participates in that remembrance of the Passover. Rather, I use the title, The Last Passover, to indicate that ever after this point in history, this point in chapter 26, God desired for the Passover to be remembered differently than it was before. The deliverance from sin and death for His people is far greater than the deliverance from Egypt and deliverance from the death angel who killed the firstborn throughout Egypt on that first Passover night so many years ago. 
as important as the deliverance of the historical exodus was, there is something far more significant than that that we need to consider, isn't there? Who could now, who, who could celebrate the Passover, the Exodus Passover, without an eye toward the greater lamb? If you're sitting around a Passover table as a Christian person, and, and imagine there's a bunch of Jewish people there who don't believe in the Messiah, there's only the, the only people at that table that really understand the typological significance of that event are the Christians sitting at that table and they're seeing the cup of wine, they're seeing the bread, the matzah, they're seeing uh, you know, the empty chair for Elijah, they're, they're seeing all of those elements and they're saying there's something more here than just the deliverance from Egypt, isn't there? There is a greater Passover. The Lord Jesus is our Passover. How could we miss the adaptation of the meal where the bread and the cup are resignified to point to the Messiah himself. The Jewish Christian is privileged to remember both the original Passover and the new one, right? Uh, Gentiles are a little bit on the outside because we, we as a people, we're not really a people because we're kind of so amorphous and throughout the whole world, but as, as, uh, as a people, we did not have the deliverance experience that shared trauma that happened to us and so the uh, and 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 shared uh, you know rescue from the death angel that the Jewish people had in their history and they feel a certain solidarity with that we don't have that but a Jewish Christian has that background as well as the new Passover background we as Christians have really the second or new Passover as as the significant thing uh, for us but I, I highly doubt a Jewish Christian could remember the original Passover without thinking of what Jesus did in the bread and the cup. Well, first of all, the Lord makes preparations for the Passover, and that's in verses 17 to 19. The general schedule of the Passover was like this. On the first day, uh, late in the afternoon or early in the evening, and this would have been the, the date Nisan 14, which was sometime Kind of Nisan as a month overlaps our March and April. That's why our Easter or resurrection is in March or April, depending on how the dates fall with the lunar calendar and all of those things that we've talked about before. But on that 14th of Nisan, the Israelites would kill their lambs, and that evening they would eat the lamb and the rest of the meal as they remembered their flight from Egypt. The evening was technically... Um, part of the, the start of the 15th day of the month. You know why that is? Because they would start the day at sunset. So it would be that you would end the day and then the start at, during the daytime and then say at 6 o'clock, the next day would begin. Um, so the 15th would start then that evening. Following that evening, the Feast of Unleavened Bread unfolded for the next seven days Nisan 15 through 21. 21 minus 15 is 6, but inclusive, so 7 days. And God did not, during that time, permit them to have leaven in their homes uh, or their food. And um, we find this in Exodus, or, uh, yeah, in Exodus chapter 12, and I'll turn there and just read it for you. It's a bit of a lengthier passage, but I think 
good to remind us of the history of this, uh, what was going on here. Exodus chapter 12. The Bible says the Lord spoke to Moses and Aaron in the land of Egypt, saying, This month shall be your beginning of months. It shall be the first month of the year to you. Speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb, according to the house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for the lamb, let him and his neighbor next to him, his house, take it according to the number of the persons, according to each man's need, you shall make your count for the lamb. So, you know, is it enough food for everybody in the house? Or is it too much? Then invite your neighbor and share uh, between you. Your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. Uh, you may uh, take it from the sheep or from the goats. Now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the month. There it is, 14. And then the whole assembly of the congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight. Okay, so the late afternoon, early evening time. And they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the houses where they eat it. Then they shall eat the flesh on that night, roasted in fire with unleavened bread and with bitter herbs. They shall eat it. Do not eat it raw, nor boiled at all with water, but roasted in fire, its head with its legs and its entrails. You shall let none of it remain until morning, and what remains of it till morning you shall burn with fire. And thus you shall eat it with the belt on your waist, your sandals on your feet, and your staff in your hand. So you shall eat it in haste. It is the Lord's Passover. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast. And against all the gods of Egypt, I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation. And on the seventh day sh there shall be a holy convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done on them, but that which everyone must eat, that only may be prepared for you. So you shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread, for on this day I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month. At evening, for seven days, no leaven shall be found in your houses, since whoever eats what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a stranger or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened in all your dwellings. You shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, Dip it in the blood that is in the basin and strike the lintel on the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees the blood on the lintel 
and on the two doorposts. The Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. It will come to pass that when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised, that you shall keep this service. And it shall be when your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? That you shall say, It is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the children of Israel went away and did so, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. I turn my Bible back to Matthew chapter 26. There was no time for the leaven to do its work on the loaves of bread that they were baking. They had to leave in haste. They had to eat in that haste and and by and by, of course, leaven became a symbol of sin, a well-known symbol of that, though we must caution ourselves not to think of you know, sin every time we read leaven. We have to let the context tell us, is it leaven as sin in this case, or is it just leaven which is leaven in this case? And some have made the terrible mistake of always making leaven equal to sin, and it's not exegetically justified, and they get into kind of problems with their interpretation of the text. I believe that some components of the initial Passover were one-time events. They were not meant to be repeated. I have in mind the putting of blood on the doorposts and on the lintel. One time at the initial Passover. The death angel is not now making annual visits to kill the firstborn, so it is not necessary to put a shield of blood on the door. And Christians, we live under the shield of the blood of Christ all the time because we've been washed in the blood. Our sins are cared for and we are in Christ. Furthermore, neither Christians nor Jews should today think of the death of a lamb to be eaten as an atoning death for the last sacrifice has already been made, the one only sufficient for our sins. I might add a comment there that if you were in a service where, uh, or a meal where a lamb had been killed for the meal with a religious significance to it, uh, it would do you well to remember that that should be a reminder to you of the death of Christ. It should be. And I, I would not, if I were invited to a Passover meal, I would not hesitate to eat of that meat myself. I would... Uh, likely take the opportunity to speak with the people around the table if they would allow me to talk about the Lamb with a capital L that gave himself to pay for our sins. And any time there was a blood sacrifice in the Old Testament, it should have been educational and preparatory for the people to recognize that a sacrifice has to be made in my place because I'm a sinner. And death is the wages of sin. God was teaching them this over and over and over again, repetitively, over hundreds and hundreds of years to prepare them for that one final sacrifice that would come. Tremendous thing that God did, but it's like strange because sometimes the most obvious things can be missed. The most obvious things can be missed. I'll give you an example. Uh, just in, in connection with this where the, the Lord says later on that he must go as it is written of him. Uh, 
and you stop and think, okay, where is it written? Where is it written? Where is it written? Well, I'll give you one. Daniel 9.26. After the 62 weeks, Messiah will be cut off. Now, how much more plain could you want it to be? I mean, it's plain on the face of it. So uh, these obvious things sometimes we can miss. Now, the, the disciples, they asked a kind of simple question, where are we going to have our Passover meal, Jesus? Where are we going to eat it? So the Lord directed them to a man whom he either knew by previously meeting or by his omniscience. I'd recommend to lean towards the former, that is, you know, normal means instead of leaning on his omniscience when we don't have to, unless there's clear evidence of that latter option. And I'll come to a, a, a kind of a caveat in a moment about that. But it's quite possible that the Lord prearranged with the owner of the house to have a private Passover meal. In fact, I think it quite likely because during this season, you would have to, uh, how could I say, reserve space for your larger group. Whenever there's going to be thousands of people in town, you can't just drive into Ann Arbor on football Saturday and walk into the stadium and say, here I am, I want a seat to sit in. Uh, give me a parking spot. You know, you have to make some arrangements for that. So I think it likely that he made some arrangements for his meal to be done so that he could accomplish what was necessary for him to do that night. There was some things he had to say to the disciples. He had to have a private meeting with them. He had to teach them about the Last Supper, the, the uh, bread and the cup and all of those things. So very important to have a proper accommodations for the meal. So perhaps it was the case that the Lord had previously met the owner of the house. And, and then, you know, because th this text doesn't really tell us um, all the details. You have to look at the other Gospels. But the disciples, when they went into the city, they were to meet a man carrying a pitcher of water. And um, that would be kind of unusual in itself because usually that was the woman's job to carry the pitchers of water. So they find a man carrying a pitcher of water and that man leads them to a house, and the master of that house is the one that the disciples talk to. So the Lord here omits that detail, or Matthew does, in his record of it. And so maybe the Lord in his omniscience knew about a man who at that moment that they went into the city was going to be carrying a water jug, and they could uh, connect up with him and get to the right house. And then they spoke to the owner of that house who had made the, uh, they had made the arrangements with. Whatever the case, uh, it's not a thing to fuss over on these details, but more important than, than, than that are the Lord's statements that his time is at hand and that he will keep the Passover. That's what it says in uh, chapter 26, verse um, 18, where he says, "'My time is at hand. I will keep the Passover at your house.'" with my disciples, that time when he was going to go to the Father to offer himself as a sacrifice for sins, to die in our place and to suffer at the merciless hands of the Pharisees and the Romans. Now, many times in the Gospels, the Lord had said to uh, his disciples and others that it was not yet the time. I want to share a couple of those with you because now he's saying it is the time. Uh, John chapter 2 and verse number 4, his mother tells uh, the, the servants that had run out of wine at the wedding in Cana of Galilee, um, 
and uh, Jesus said to her, Woman, what does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. You know, it's not really time for me to get out into the uh, well, limelight, you could say, and out into the open. John chapter 7, his brothers are confronting him about going to the feast. And uh, his brothers didn't believe in him at that time. Sadly, sadly to say that, but that's how it was. And he says in John 7, verse 6, Jesus said to them, My time has not yet come, but your time is always ready. Verse number 8, You go up to this feast. I am not yet going up to this feast, for my time has not fully come. And then John chapter 7 and verse number 30, uh, it says, uh, he, here he is in the, um, uh, you know, in, this, in the city of Jerusalem during the feast here. And in verse uh, 30, they sought to take him. You know, they didn't like his teaching. Uh, he was speaking about, um, you know, how you know who I am and where I've come from and the one who sent me and all of that. And they sought to take him, but no one laid a hand on him, verse 30 says, because his hour had not yet come. Chapter 8 and verse number 20 in John's Gospel. These words Jesus spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple, and no one laid hands on him, for his hour had not yet come. That was John chapter 8 and verse number 20. Sorry about that. Maybe I'm going a little bit too quickly. Oh, okay. Yeah, John 8, 20, his hour had not yet come. And then in uh, John 16... In verse 32, John 16, 32, he's uh, speaking to the disciples here in the upper room. And, uh, you know, they believe that he came forth from God. Verse 30 uh, says, and Jesus answered them, Do you now believe? Indeed, the hour is coming, verse 32 says, Yes, and has now come. Indeed, the hour is coming, yes, and has now come. Hear that? The hour's not yet, the hour's not yet, the hour's not yet. Uh-oh, the hour is coming, and in fact, it's now come. And you will be scattered, each to his own, and will leave me alone. And yet I am not alone, because the Father is with me. And so now in Matthew 26, which is in the same context of John 16 in the upper room, the Lord tells of this, this man that he's got to go to his home and uh, eat the Passover, he says, my time is at hand. And I will keep the Passover at your house with my disciples. So it says the disciples did as Jesus had directed them, and they prepared the Passover. And then finally, verse number 20, for the time we have tonight, when the evening had come, he sat down with the 12. What an awful anticipation our Lord must have had to be thinking, I'm going to be telling these disciples things they don't want to hear. My hour has come. Uh, just within, a, within less than 24 hours, he would be a perfectly, initially perfectly healthy uh, young man. In just a few hours, he would be beaten to death, hung on a cross and killed for our sins. And uh, we are grateful to him for going through that, but it must have been, as I said, an awful anticipation the next time we will look at the next section of this, which is verses 20 to 25 or 21 to 25, however you want to break it up. And I've titled that section, The Passover Betrayal. The Passover Betrayal. That's just those verses 
where we deal with the betrayal of Christ. And just a couple pages of notes on that, but I'll expand that study and uh, we'll move on to the next sections as we have opportunity and the next time around. Father in heaven, we bow before you and we thank you for allowing us to become a little more educated about the Passover, remind ourselves of the ritual of it, the, as the Exodus says, the service of it and what it was about and the reminder that it was to Jewish children over all those generations and, and now the reminder to us and as it's invested, its elements invested with new meaning, I pray that you will help us to uh, make that correlation and see in our, in our minds, in our thoughts, uh, how that moved the world from uh, the place of the law into the place of the new covenant uh, basis, the grace that uh, was uh, so evident in Christ's life. And Lord, help us to uh, ponder these things carefully and deeply in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we trust that you've been edified in some measure tonight with this. I'm going to bring some more the next time. Looking forward to it, too. Okay? All right. Have a good night. We'll see you soon.